It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to our Week 10 postgame show. That's right, we have a win to talk about. The Bears took care of business against the Matthew Stafford-less Detroit Lions by the final score of 20-13 to as the Bears held on down the stretch. And we'll talk about why they had to hold on down the stretch here throughout the entirety of this show. But at last, we finally have our first victory in, I think, of, what, five or six weeks. Uh, way too long, if you ask me. But I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and help me break down this Bears victory. I have some extra company. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Nick Austin and Will Ingles. And guys, I'm glad to have both of you on. And Nick, I want to kind of start with you. A little bit of uh, news, kind of breaking, but not super breaking on your end. And that's you have a job now at ESPN. When does that start? Oh, Nick, you're still muted, though. Technical difficulties. There you go. There you go, Big Shot. What do you got? Thank you so much, man. Happy to be on. Appreciate the uh, the good looks there. I start that job in just about a month. I'm finishing up at a current job right now. And, yeah, that is going to be a production assistant position with the worldwide leader. I'm, I'm very excited to get started. Thank you so much. Of course. And Will, how about yourself? It's been a while since I've had you on a live show. How have you been? I've been doing really well. Uh, working at the NBC affiliate uh, TV news station, Rockford, Illinois. Um, never a dull moment there, you know, and I get to cover a little bit of everything, you know, I'm at, you know, uh, county board meetings, city council meetings, covering, you know, some, you know, city political side. Uh, but then I also spent all of yesterday covering some high school sports, seeing some kids ball out. And uh, so it's been a little bit of everything. But, you know, it's good to have my Sundays to uh, watch my uh, professional football and enjoy the Bears. So it's, it's been really good so far, but great to be back on and talk some football, especially after a long-awaited win. Yeah, and I can't wait to jump in here. Let's begin with my monster moment. And, Will, I know you're going to love it. It's going to be Nick Kwiatkowski's interception in the third quarter. I know he's your favorite Chicago Bear. He actually had a pretty decent game today, and I can't wait to get your thoughts on that, Will. But uh, for me, no, that, inter- and that interception in the third quarter, that was huge because that was right after the Bears scored their second touchdown, gave Chicago good field position. And just a couple plays later, Trubisky to Gabriel for a touchdown that went up by two scores, and obviously the Bears needed that extra touchdown today because after that drive, uh, the offense went backward and ended up having to punt uh, five different times. So for me, my monster moment is going to be Nick Witkowski's interception in the third quarter and will mr ingles over to you and this is the moriano minute so you go ahead and uh, channel your inner nicholas moriano here 
All right. So obviously, at the end of the day, we're happy that we get a win here. But for me, I'm not entirely satisfied with how this game ended up overall. We saw some really great moments from number 10. Obviously, the the storyline going forward, Trubisky, three touchdowns. But you have to keep in mind that for that first half, this Bears offense was middling for so long. If you think about all those opportunities the Detroit Lions had throughout the first half of that game, if you if you have Matthew Stafford as your signal caller, I'm not liking where we are. Uh, you know, the Bears probably don't get a chance to go into that those uh playbook calls that you know Trubisky was comfortable with and obviously the offense executed because they're probably in a big hole by that point it's not six nothing it looks a lot worse and then even when the Bears did get going there was a ton of struggles afterwards after those three touchdowns so obviously there were things in the playbook that were working but we just seemed to go away and it's something that you know I talked about when we were doing our bye week presentation that those uh, intermediate to deep uh, crossing routes you know tight end specifically you know, we had some deeper routes with Allen Robinson, you know, and all of a sudden after those three drives, we went back away from them. We went for the shallow crossers again. We went with just perimeter offense. So we saw something work, and then we went away from it. And I just don't understand how the Bears have yet to put together a full game. And, and I just – this team, we see it in flashes, can be so good. And obviously last year we know we can be so good – but we can't just put it together. And I texted you after last week, Will. I said, this team does not know how to play complementary football. And we do it in spurts, and it looks great. But we haven't done it for a full game. And until we can really do that, I don't see this team really competing in the long run. Sorry, that was about a minute and a half. But uh, that, that's, my, that's my version of the Moriato minute. Damn, yeah, I was going to say you beat me to it. I was going to say you took the Moriato <laughs> minute and you took the, uh, made it the Moriato monologue. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah I took was it wrong, from man. sorry no you're good you're good let's take it over to here to uh mr us and uh you're gonna have our midway mulligan so if there's a moment of the game that you wish you can take back what would it be and why i, I like that very well said uh i think that you know overall it, it would usually be a turnover or something from trubisky so luckily we didn't have one of those today. I would probably go with that deep touchdown to Kenny Galladay just because, I mean, it was so obviously, you know, kind of left the Lions with a little bit of hope. And then evidently the game went to just about the last play. And it felt like the Bears, especially with Driscoll at quarterback, should have taken care of things a while ago. Um, so I probably would have taken that away. It could have been, you know, 20 to 6, 23 to 6, something like that. But, you know, we'll, we'll take the win. And I'm glad that there aren't a lot of turnovers and it a ton of negatives, at least coming from number 10, like Will mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. Jumping into my stat of the game, uh, it's not going to be a big one that's like on the stat sheet itself, but one that I'm going to look into here is Trubisky. Uh, his three touchdown passes could probably be the stat of the game itself, but the fact that he had all three of those touchdown passes within a five passing attempt, so 80% of his passes at one point were ending up in six. It's pretty well, impressive for that spurt. Uh, so I just wanted to highlight that small microcosm of the game, but the one point Trubisky having three touchdown passes in five passing attempts obviously shows how condensed all the success on offense was, number one. But number two, just to show how effective you know this offense can be when they're doing the things right, like Will already mentioned. And Will, I want to hand it over to you. Uh, it's time to hand out some MVBs. Where are you going to go? Uh Gosh, uh, I saw, I think it was uh, Tuli in the comments said something, uh, MVB for Nick Kwiatkowski. He played his butt off. Um, I will I will save the praise. I'm going to have to work it within myself to praise him when we get to the defensive side, but I'm going to give my MVB to Allen Robinson here. Uh, I think he was really the heartbeat of this offense. When things weren't going well, he was the one who was kind of keeping that energy, you know, getting in everyone's face, being like, hey, next play. You know, you saw the energy with him while the Bears were struggling and while they were on their, their run end of the first half into the second half. So for me, MVB is going to Allen Robinson. His stat line isn't the most impressive, but, you know, not only is he that reliable target for Trubisky, if you ask me, he's become the heartbeat of this offense. Yeah, no, actually, Allen Robinson's exactly who I had jotted down as my MVB as well. Uh, six catches on the nine targets, 86 yards, averaging about 15 yards per catch. I uh, hit that big 33-yarder, but on top of that, uh, in that first drive, the Bears actually found some rhythm just due to going after Allen Robinson deep down the field, in the middle of the field. And like you said, Will, when the Bears were doing things right, when they were moving, 
largely due to Allen Robinson. His presence on the field, too, helped open up some other plays. So for me, I'm going to number 12. What about you, Nick? Are you going to make it all consensus, Allen Robinson, or are you going to go somewhere else? So we all were clearly thinking of him, but I, I ended up going with Trubisky uh, for for my most valuable bear. I mean, this was one of his best games, certainly this season. He was pretty calm, especially through at least, you know, the second and third quarters. Didn't make those terrible decisions that we've come a little too accustomed to seeing. And, you know, he was able to make some of those great looks, better better calls and the more comfortable routes, like you guys mentioned, for, for touchdowns for Mitch. And it was enough for the Bears to get the victory. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the first quarter of our postgame show. And before we enter the second quarter and talk about that Bears offense, I do need to call a quick timeout to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? The real question is, how easy could it be if those ticketing websites actually cared? With a million to live event tickets and a prize match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a better way. They built the fastest way to find tickets so you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. So why is SeatGeek better than the rest? That's simply put, they're a better process. They pull together millions of tickets from all over the web. They'd rate each deal on a scale, the one to 10. And finally, SeatGeek displays every seat on an interactive seat map. That way you know the exact view you're getting for the ticket you're looking for. SeatGeek breaks down the details. The green dots mean they are the good deals and the red dots are the tickets that are just simply overpriced. And of course, every ticket on SeatGeek gets fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, by far the easiest and fastest way that I've been able to shop for tickets. I was looking at the Bears-Rams tickets. I know that uh, that may be an interesting game if you're over in that area of the country. And there are some amazing deals left. So I definitely encourage you to check it out. And of course, we're going to the Bears-Chiefs game here on December 22nd. So if you want to join us for that uh, Sunday night game, unless it gets flexed into another time slot, definitely check out SeatGeek as there's still plenty of amazing deals left. And the best part of all, SeatGeek will give you $10 off your first purchase. And all you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code BEARS for $10 off that first purchase. And again, that promo code is BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your first purchase on SeatGeek. All right, welcome back. You're listening to the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. I'm sitting here with Nick Austin and Will Ingles, and this is our Bears-Lions postgame show, our first episode that we get to talk about a Bears victory in way too long, and it's good to have some positive energy. I know that there are some things that still need to be cleaned up, but I'm excited to kind of focus on some of the positives today. And now it's time to talk about that Chicago Bears offense, which on their first four drives, they were able to muster 25 yards. And I thought we were going to be in for yet another long day on offense with not a lot of points scored, which was really concerning uh, just knowing how awful Detroit has been on defense all season. So Mr. Ingles, I want to go over to you first. What was going wrong in those first four drives? What were the Bears doing or not doing on offense? Oh man, it, it it goes on everybody. I mean, there there. I don't think there's a single person on that offense that can't have a finger pointed at them. You know, I think a lot of play calling by Nagy was uh, uninspired to begin with. I think a lot of the run formations were unimaginative, and you already have a strong front four against Detroit, so you're going to have to come up with your best when it comes to running the football. You know, whether we're putting J.P. Holt in that I formation and kind of running what we had success against the Chargers with. You know, at times we, we had that one third and one where Bobby Massey jumps off sides. We have that one third down where Taylor Gabriel drops the ball, you know, and then you have sometimes where I think in the first half, for the most part, uh, the first drive, he, he doesn't hit Taylor Gabriel in stride. If he hits Gabriel in stride, he's, he's racing to the sideline. I think he gets that first down. He had the angle uh, from what I could see, but hard to know when he threw that ball so high and inside. So I think for those first four drives, it's on everybody when I talked about mm-hmm. complimentary football like I, on the offensive side man it was just it was thrown a dart at the board and whoever you hit just completely blew their assignment for that play so it's on everybody in that first four drives uh I can't really just point to one thing because I think it was everyone uh Nick I want to know your thoughts I just saw here uh, a few minutes ago on Twitter that uh, club dub is thumping uh, via Patrick Finley. Do you agree that the Bears should be okay with opening up Club Dub again? I don't know about that after the recent woes that we've had here. No, I, I definitely don't think that we are back at that level. I mean, after what four four consecutive losses after such high expectations for the year, and and we just beat a you know a backup 
potentially a third string quarterback. So I'm glad that, you know, the vibes are improved and that we finally can see a win. There were, you know, obviously a few positives, which we're going to get to on both sides of the ball. But I don't think we're back at that level yet. Well, no, I, I definitely don't. Now, obviously, one thing the Bears were doing pretty awful at today was third down, Nick. Do you have any uh, insight at what you saw that the Bears weren't doing right on third down? Only 2 of 12 today, which is a pretty poor mark. Uh, going up against, again, Detroit, which on defense hasn't been able to really stop too many teams on third down. Yeah, so I think a, a big thing that, that Will hit on was some of the Trubisky inaccuracy. Like one of, one of the ones I really hit on was earlier on the, the Gabriel throw. I felt like there were a few inaccurate balls. I don't think Nagy was at his best on some of those third downs. And then I think a huge part was just lack of execution. The, the receivers not running past the first down line where they need to be. Obviously, Trubisky not connecting. And I think it was a multitude of things. And, you know, they're lucky that they did just enough to, to eke out the victory. But I, I think also, you know, getting enough time for Trubisky. The offensive line was terrible in the first half, not really getting any time, any push at all on that line of scrimmage. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was like Will mentioned. I think, Will, you did a great job of just summarizing all the pain points into a couple of sentences. So you're learning from your monologue mistakes earlier in the show. But going forward here, I do want to focus on those positives. And, Will, when the Bears were doing things right, uh, we talked about it. They're going towards Allen Robinson. They're pushing the ball down the field. And, again, uh, Detroit on defense, they were allowing you know teams for the second most pass yards per game against that defense all year. The Bears, hey, we're going to throw the ball downfield, and it worked. Why was it working? Well, I think after a while, the Bears get into this tendency of not being able to throw, or at least they didn't show that they wanted to throw the ball downfield. You look at a lot of the passing charts uh, that come out on like the next-gen stats, you know, you see a whole bunch of checkerboard you know, in between 10 yards or so. So eventually when you start going to those intermediate to deep throws, you know, you're starting to get that one-on-one coverage. You know, they're not getting bracketed so much close to the line of scrimmage. So for me, it's kind of watching, uh, it's watching this uh, playbook develop further downfield. And I think that's really big. And I think it, I think it caught the Lions off guard. Uh, I don't, especially on the two minutes you're at the end of the half, I really don't know why it caught them so off guard there. Probably Mm -hmm. shouldn't have, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I think when you see this offense develop more downfield like a real NFL offense, you know, you aren't really trying to run a bunch of plays to, you know, get five to ten yards. I mean, I understand West Coast concepts to some point, but you got to develop these routes downfield a lot more. And that's what happened, especially in the middle of the field. And that's where we saw really this offense take advantage with Allen Robinson doing some good work. And then uh, that one uh, throw to Broniker wasn't exactly middle of the field, but that crosses the middle of the field uh, or at least starts that route in the middle of the field kind of options to the corner. You know, when you start utilizing that middle of the field, that's how we got that second touchdown uh, to Tariq Cohen because everyone's ready for the middle of the field throw. And that's exactly how the offense was so opportunistic last year is that they got everybody going one way and then they – went where the defense was least expecting based on the previous play calls. So it, it was Nagy at his finest for those three drives and, the, and that success uh, at the end of the first half, beginning of the second half. Yeah, good stuff that are well, I agree. It's something that the Bears on offense haven't been able to find a lot of uh, you know rhythm with is a lot of that misdirection and a lot of that uh, getting the defense really on their heels. And they found it, at least for a spurt, like we said, a few drives, and then things kind of went – back where we kind of seen this offense go. Uh, Nick, I want to take it over to you. And obviously uh, something that was new this week, well, I guess not totally new, but came back was uh, the position switch between uh, James Daniels and Cody Whitehair. And to me, it looked like a lot of Cody Whitehair of 2017 with all the low snaps. And I'm not really going to harp on it too hard just because he hasn't been playing center uh, since the beginning of OTAs for this season after they made the position switch. But still, uh, those low snaps did have an impact on this game uh, for a couple of plays specifically. Uh, Did you see any other impact despite the low snaps uh, on that position switch? Because I don't know if I saw too much from that offense line. It didn't really uh, make them play much better, at least in my opinion. No, I I don't think it had, you know, a great impact either way for for better or, or worse. I definitely noticed, I think, yeah, three or four low snaps and two of them had a major effect on the play one of them led to a Trubisky sack uh, the other just just kind of a throwaway but other than that no I think it was kind of you know the usual 
lack of push that we've seen from this year, struggling to give Trubisky time. I think it was at its best, as you guys both mentioned, in the in the two-minute drill and then, yeah, kind of that third-quarter stretch with, with, with the quick throws as well where you don't need as much time. But I don't think there was a huge impact, definitely noticeable, but I don't think it changed the game around by any means. When I'm looking at the rest of his offense, obviously Taylor Gabriel, uh, that touchdown, that stands out. He did have... Uh, that bobble on third down, another drop on third down over the middle that Trubisky delivered a pretty good ball. But uh, those two drops came early, and then obviously the touchdown, uh, good route, his speed was on display. Uh, kind of in the same area of the field as Broniker scored that football. So good to see Gabriel kind of bounce back from some early mistakes, at least in my notes, to kind of come back with that touchdown. Uh, Will, I want to go over to you. Is there anyone else on this offense that you want to kind of take a moment and dissect? I know we haven't really talked about Trubisky yet, and that's been purposeful because – uh, at least with uh, Nick Moriano and myself on this show, we tend to talk a lot about Trubisky when it's come to the offensive struggles, and I figured this may be a good time to talk about him if you want to. All right, sure. I'll take a little bit of a crack at Trubisky. <laughs> I think, honestly, this was his best. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, let's open that can of worms. If you listen to my matchups podcast this week, I was I was quite combative when it came to Trubisky, and that's pretty impressive considering I was the only one talking. Um <laughs> So when I when I look at Trubisky, I think it's the best game he played overall this year. I think the first half, we mentioned mistake-free. I don't think there are a lot of plays for him to make, uh, quite honestly. I think between protection, I think between pay, play calling, I think a lot of that stuff, for the most part, he was solid. Where I do have concerns is that there are still open guys running free uh, for the offense, and, and he's not finding them. And I don't entirely know whether to blame that on the play calling or the play progression system or whether he's just not seeing him. Uh, there was a point in the first half, uh, the last drive of the first half, obviously we score at the end of it, so it's kind of a moot point. But uh, it's God, it was Anthony Miller. Uh, he was towards the top of the TV screen, and he runs wide open. The safety doesn't even look at him. They're playing a cover two. So he basically has a wide open shot to the end zone. And instead, he targets Al Robinson for that middle of the field, gets about 12 yards. Drive keeps going, but you're missing a wide open touchdown shot. And honestly, with Matt Nagy's system, it's, uh, any offensive system should be touchdown to check down. And there are still times where Trubisky's missing those touchdowns that are just on the field. And whether he's not throwing them or whether in past games that we've seen him try to throw those touchdowns and uh, those touchdown, obviously, uh, I'm saying like with the root and so on. So he didn't throw a few of those open looks that were going to be for deep gains this week. And I still see that as a problem. And as far as development for a player, we saw this happen a few times last year, and I think it's only gotten worse this year. And I, that's one thing that still concerns me, even though we saw a lot more efficiency overall from him. I thought we saw a lot of good dropbacks, you know, one, two, three back foot hits, ball comes out. I thought we saw a few good instances of that. I even saw, you know, him getting comfortable and playing within himself. That one uh, going off his back foot and launching that 34-yarder to Allen Robinson, I thought that was great too. That was a play that he seemed comfortable within himself to make. Uh, so I think we saw him go within himself a little bit more, feel comfortable, just play football. But then I, towards the end of that second half, between O-line, uh, poor blocking, between him just holding the ball too long, and between him just not being willing to fire it in to some tighter windows, uh, I – there's still some problems with his progression and a lot of problems with his development that I'm not seeing him take steps forward from stuff we even saw in 2017, his rookie year. Right, right, right. Nick, I want to know your thoughts. Again, I'm trying to take a step back here because I've been kind of on this, you know, post, I've been every, well, I've been all the post game shows, but I've just been getting my opinion out there and you guys are on and I want to kind of leverage that a little bit. So what are your take on uh, Trubisky today? I know you, uh, we have a little shared document so we can talk about some talking points, and you thought that he, obviously he was making some better reads, but he's still taking a little bit too long? Yeah, that was that was one of my biggest things. I felt like he kind of caused one of the sacks that he took. I think that he eas easily could have dumped it off to, I believe it was Tariq, or just thrown it away. And then I think a major point kind of that, that Will hit on, he, he missed that read with Anthony Miller. He also missed one with Robinson on the drive that – uh, Robinson was doing really well, and I think it was just a five or six yard gain to Tariq on second down. He had Robinson open for a post pattern to score. So obviously they did end up scoring that drive, but it just would have been, you know, quicker. And I'm not sure if he's not seeing them or if he just still doesn't have some of the confidence that he showed last year, because I think, you know, most of us can agree a lot of it is 
mental with him. We we kind of heard from some of the comments this week as well. We've seen it, and we know he's able to do it. I think that Nagy was certainly at his best for Trubisky when they were kind of rolling today. I loved that touchdown to Tariq. The, the whole side of the field was open, just an easy pitch and catch. So I felt like he did a lot of things well, especially in the fundamental mechanics. But some of the reads and even accuracy could still be a little improved when you, when you see Robinson having to stretch so much to make some of those easy catches down the middle. Now, obviously, we've been trying to focus on some of the positives. We do need to start really kind of digging in here because even though the Bears scored 20 points uh, and they did do enough to win this game, Detroit's defense entering this contest, guys, it was really bad. It was piss poor. They didn't allow a single offense uh, less than 350 yards uh, all season long. I'm glad we could change that. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we we changed it, uh, and we changed it by a lot. Only 226 yards by the Bears' offense today. Will, are you still nervous as I am when you're looking forward at the rest of the schedule here when the Bears actually have to play you know, real defenses that we're going to see more of the team we saw in the first half or maybe the first quarter today, first half of last week's game against Philadelphia? Because even though we found success on three different drives, there's a lot that still has me highly concerned. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm kind of terrified going against, you know, better defenses that are going to be able to scheme up the Bears a little bit better, at least personnel-wise. I think the the Lions have a good front four, and I think they have a couple pieces in their secondary, but overall they just kind of lose the ability to scheme. You know, their linebacking core I think is pretty poor. I think overall the secondary for Detroit's pretty poor. So when you get to some teams that are A, able to scheme, B, able to have the talent to scheme, I think things get tough really fast because – a lot of this play calling, you know, or at the very least, you're not going to be able to get some of these, you know, cheap first downs that I think the Bears got against the Lions this week. I think those cheap middle of the field, uh, about 10 to 12 yard routes that we saw Allen Robinson capitalized a couple times on, Taylor Gabriel capitalized a couple times on going across the middle. I don't think those will be available. I think they will scheme even more to take advantage of the Bears' offensive line woes. And I would say they would shut down the run game, but I feel like the Bears are good enough at shutting that down by themselves. Uh, So, yeah, I'm pretty terrified when it comes to actually running an offense against someone else um, because, A, I think our play calling struggles a lot of the time. And, you know, I think the quarterback kind of goes without saying that, you know, there's some struggles with number 10 too. So, yeah, when it comes to playing a full game, against the defense that's willing to scheme, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty terrified because I, confidence-wise, I just don't know how a team will be able to fare, you know, going halves, going full halves of football with getting one to two first downs. I mean, that's, that's just got to do something. And, and it's not going to be long before there's a rift, a real rift in that locker room between offense and defense. If it hasn't started already, it's coming soon. Because I can tell you, I was on a team in college where – the defense, uh, we were putting in a new offensive system. You know, I don't want to bag on guys that, you know, were trying their hardest out there, which I know, you know, they're professional athletes and doing their best to execute stuff. But there are times where we wouldn't get a first down in the full first half. And I can tell you, on the bench that's on the other side of the field that we're having our defensive meeting on, you know, in between drives, we, we're saying some, some not safe for work things about the offense at that time. And, and it's frustrating and it's really hard because, it's not easy for a defense to have to go out three and out after three and out after three and out. It's hard to maintain that fire. It's hard to maintain that juice that I think we haven't seen the Bears defense play with this year. And I think we saw it a little bit. You know, Will, you mentioned that uh, our monster moment being the Kwiatkowski interception. That's the time that we saw, like, complimentary football for that stretch. It's because mm-hmm. the, the defense was getting a little bit of energy from the offense, you know, and they started to play with each other. They started to back each other up. You know, when you don't get that when you don't get that backing from your offense, man, it is so hard as a defensive player to carry yourself out there drive after drive after drive. And that's why I'm terrified because I think I think this is just the beginning of what's gonna be kind of this trend that we see the first half of just lackluster offense. Right. And then of course the defense in the second half is they're making stops and the offense has a chance to continue to extend this lead. And then after they score that twenty, it's just five straight punts. 
So obviously you get into the crunch time of the game where the defense is like, hey, let's give me a break. You know, mount a drive. Let's do something. And they're not able to do it. And you hit on all the issues that the Bears offense has right now. It comes down to play calling, personnel decisions, the quarterback, the inability to run the football, and, of course, the offensive line. Nick, I want to hand over to you, and this is a loaded question, but I know you can handle it. Which of those issues is probably the largest right now? Even after today's game, I still think the biggest issue is the quarterback. I I think that, you know, the play calling, for the most part, has opened up a lot of chances for Trubisky and this offense. And it's just, I think you're at a pretty bad point where you are genuinely surprised that that a quarterback has a, you know, two, three touchdown game without any turnovers. It's not like he's throwing for a lot of yards. They're, They're still pretty elementary wide open routes for these receivers like Robinson and Gabriel. He's not hitting Miller as much as he should. And and it's the kind of thing where I don't think, as Will mentioned, you can fully trust him to lead an offense for an entire half. I, I don't know if you even can for a quarter. I mean I I like Trubisky. I like some some of the things he's seen, but I don't think he's near at the level where he should be for this team. And yet, I think it already kind of has led to a rift in in the locker room to an extent. And I mean, I, I counted, I think there were six three and outs. That's just absolutely unacceptable for an NFL offense, especially against a defense that not only isn't that good, but you know it ha- has gotten rid of or is, is dealing with injuries to some of its best. Finally. A bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Players on that unit. So I, I expected a little more today. I think that's where the biggest issue is. And as you guys both mentioned, the the next major test is already next week against a defense loaded with all pro talent. Now, Will, I want to get your opinion on this as well, because, you know, you can look at quarterback and I understand, you know, all the concerns in that uh, area right now for this team. But each week, the offensive line's also been a really big issue. They're not doing much in terms of you know any push up front, not really opening anything for David Montgomery, who's trying his hardest out there to gain yards every time he touches the rock, but he's not you know he's getting touched instantly by the time that ball's in his hands. But he's trying, and then Trubisky as well. He's under pressure with even like you know just three men rushes. Like this offensive line is really becoming a problem as well. What's your take? What's going to be the biggest issue for you? Uh, I mean, this one's really tough because I, when, when I talked in the bye week presentation, it's a top-to-bottom thing. Uh, I think offense, like I said, it's easier when you're able to establish a run game, and you just have to know what the strengths of your offense is when it comes to running the football. You know, who are your guys that are going to get the best push? You know, uh, are there players on a defense that you feel like you can get out and around, you can get a seal on, try to run to the outside? For me, I... It's, for me, I think the biggest issue is still a head coach, and I, I understand the deficiency we have at quarterback, but here's the thing. We gave Matt Nagy such such license to do whatever he said. Oh, Jordan Howard can't catch. He can't play in Matt Nagy's system. That's the, He's out of here, you know, and we've, done, we've given him a lot of license to do so many things with personnel and calling plays and we were all these like cute uh, two point conversions last year. Well, at some point, if we're calling him an offensive genius, you should be able to win with the pieces that you have in front of you. And I just don't think he's been calling plays that are beneficial to the roster he has in front of him. And I think some of that is he's covering for, I think part of that he's covering for his quarterback, which I'm not saying that he has a, a great situation there, but at the end of the day, you win and lose at the line of scrimmage. You know, I'm bringing back a little, a little Brandon Hazlett over here. We're preaching some, uh, some trenches. Yep. Uh, so, you know, you win from the trenches, so you got to get those guys going no matter what. If you can win a line of scrimmage, you can win most football games. And I don't think Nagy has given his guys a lot of chances to really get into a rhythm 
on that side of the football. And that's not coming out and running two uninspired run plays in a row. You know, I think there are ways, and we saw so many different versions of run plays last year, and I just really think that he's lost his mojo as far as calling a run game. You know, you want to see a good run game with lesser pieces? Look at look at Shanahan up in San Francisco. You know, I don't think any of their personnel outside of maybe some pieces on the offensive line are any better than Chicago's. I think their backs are worse, personally. I don't think Tevin Coleman's anything that special. I don't think Breed is anything that special. But he knows how to scheme a run game to take advantage of certain players on a defense and take advantage of his offensive lineman's strengths. And I just don't think Nagy's been able to do that this year. So as far as the biggest problem on offense, I still got to put that on Nagy as of right now. And that's not – I'm not absolving Trubisky. I'm just saying that right now to this point in the year, I've seen more problems with, with what our headband and Matt Nagy's been doing as a play caller. Nick, anything else you want to mention or talk about in terms of the Chicago Bears offense uh, from this game specifically? I really liked uh, kind of what we hit on about Robinson. I think that he's maybe the one part of the offense – I'm not sure you can blame throughout this whole year. And and we had these expectations of him last year, and I think he's showing why he's the number one option. Uh, it was nice to see a little tight end production today, obviously coming in a score. Um, but, yeah, there, there are a lot of problems, and I think that you know we've got to take this win with a grain of salt, especially on that end, I think I would say for sure. What about you, Will? Any final thoughts on offense? Yeah, I really appreciate uh, Nick hopping on the tight end train right there. I mean, it was nice that we saw a sighting, but we didn't go back to the well. Uh, so, yeah. you know, once again, I think that comes back to Nagy a little bit. It's nice to see that we do know tight ends exist. You know, I'm going to take Rich Eisen's <laughs> line a little bit here and change it. You know, tight ends are people, too. We can use them in the offense. It's, that is allowed. And it's nice to see that for one play, at least, uh, Matt Nagy believed that was the case as well. So, yeah, I think there are a lot of issues to clean up, but overall, you know, there there was a glimpse uh, for three or four drives, and uh, you just have to hope that they go back to the lab on that one and see, like, hey, this worked, let's keep doing it. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully next week we see more of those fruits. All right, so in terms of tight ends, one last question, and Will, I'm going to hand it over to you just because you've been around a little bit longer, so this is just a seniority thing, Nick, don't take any offense, but we've been watching Ben Broniker play you know, for a few seasons. Do you think he can have a bigger role in this offense? Because I feel like he could. There's been no other tight end production. I feel like a guy like Ben Broniker could have a, you know, slightly moderately successful role in this offense. Yeah, I'm honestly at this point, yeah, I'm here for anybody in in the tight end. You can put, you can put Ryan Null out there at tight end for all I care at this Don't point. Don't get people if started. To sh- <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm about to just push a, a snowball down the hill. Uh, but here's the thing is I'm willing to give anyone a shot at tight end. that's willing to show some glimpses. I mean, JP Holtz in a lot of ways made my matchups because, you know, he's doing, he's making sparks on that offense. You know, he's, he's creating running holes and whether he gets involved in the pass game. Sure. Why, why not? You know, I'm willing to kind of take those opportunities because at this point, tight ends in the NFL, if you're playing tight end, it's because you're a good athlete at this point, you know, you're not going to butterfinger, you know, a lot of passes. So, I'm, yeah, Ben Broniker, sure. I'm totally fine with giving him a bigger role in the offense. I'm, I'm out on the Adam Shaheen show. As far as, you know what, Trey Burton, if you're hurt, fine. Stand on the sidelines. Let someone else come through that's going to give the offense a spark. So, yes, I agree with you. Give, give Broniker, give some other people reps because I've seen enough of the tight end uh, disaster that's been this season. All right, guys, I think there's been enough discussion here on the Bears' offense again. They did enough today to win, but still very underwhelming when you're looking at the Detroit Lions' defense that was been the bottom of the NFL in a lot of categories. And still, uh, every team, I'm going to say one more time, every team that plays the Lions this year before us had at least 350 yards, and we had like 220. That's sad. That's real sad. All right, that's the last sad moment here. It's time to talk about this Bears defense, and obviously there's a lot to kind of get excited about, but there's also some things that we need to uh, take into account. One, Danny Trevathan with that arm injury. seems like that's going to be uh, – he's going to miss some time here. Uh, who knows? It could be a season-ending injury for Danny. We'll see some of the updates here uh, throughout this week. But let's go ahead and let's look at this Bears defense and – Obviously, things didn't start off right. They allowed the Lions to march right down the field here on the first drive with a backup quarterback, with Driscoll. And, Will, I wanted to go over to you. Uh, What was going wrong? I mean, did they just have a good script put together to know how to beat this defense? Because, obviously, 
from that moment, the Bears did adjust and did a pretty decent job for a while. But what happened on that first drive when they went 72 yards on the field? I think you already kind of mentioned it. They had a really great script. They get, they tried to get Driscoll into the game flow as quickly as possible. When you look at the Lions this year, you mentioned how, you know, this season it's a trend that their defense is really bad. Well, it's also a trend that their offense is really great in the first quarter. I think they put together a great top 10 that, that got their quarterback into the game flow. Unfortunately, that for them, it wasn't able to last throughout the game. But overall, yeah, I think uh, I think overall they did a really good job getting the ball out quick. They utilized some throws over the middle of the field. I think I saw the Bears playing a little bit of match coverage with the linebackers with some zone behind them uh, with the secondary for the most part. They took advantage of that. They found the pockets uh, in the defense. And, but overall, the really important thing is that the defense was able to hold them out of the end zone on both those productive drives to start the game. So overall, I think it's a really good script to start out uh, for the Lions. But as we've seen throughout this year for the Lions, once you get out of the first quarter, it, it really slows down for them. I mean, you go back to that, uh, probably a lot of uh, the fans watching right now, you know, you probably watched that Monday night game, Lions, uh, Green Bay Packers. They came out of the gate swinging in that game, you know, and afterwards they really lost steam. So for me, I think it's just uh, a continuing of the trend for the Detroit Lions, really great at scripting, really great at starting, uh, but then struggle uh, for the other three quarters of the game. Uh, Nick, over to you. What's going to be maybe your most positive takeaway for the defense? Let's just kind of continue to be big picture here. Okay, most positive would probably be that, yeah, I mean, they, they bent at times, but they didn't break. I I think that the Lions had a great script, and the Bears' defense wasn't quite you know ready for that early on, but they held them to field goal first drive and then the next one and that enabled the offense to you know simply get the one touchdown but be leading at the break so Mm -hmm. I think that obviously bending and not breaking and also generating you know a little more of a pass rush than we've seen the last couple weeks I mean Williams had that monster sack there were a couple holding calls a a missed one that they obviously should have called on on Mac I felt that he was close on a couple and I think that it was you know an encouraging performance from the defense for the most part I mean 13 points and it it probably should have been just just six with that long touchdown on the push off from Galladay so I felt like overall it was a pretty solid performance from the Bears better unit Will if the Lions had Stafford today how different do you think things would have gone well, in my Moriano monologue, I think you, you already heard my thoughts on that. I think, I think this game gets out of hand early is my thing, especially with the offensive woes. With the quarterback like Stafford, you're talking, about, uh, you're talking about someone who's going to be able to take advantage of those short fields. You know, there was three or four drives that started on about midfield for the Lions, and they didn't get any points. You know, that's, that's not common for, for the NFL. So with Stafford, I think he's able to get that ball at least so that the Lions are putting up points. So at the very least, you know, when the Bears are going to the halftime, they're up 7-6. That's a really big momentum changer for the Bears. You know, obviously they came out, you know, roaring into that second half. If they don't have the lead, I'm not sure if that's the case. You know, maybe you're talking a moral victory if you're up maybe 12 or 13 uh, or sorry, if you're down 13 to seven, or if you're down 12 to seven, or if you're down, maybe it's more of a moral victory than holy cow, we have the lead. We, let's just keep rolling. So I, I think Stafford is the difference in this game. If Stafford plays, I think the Bears lose. Now, right back over to you, Will. I want to look at the outside linebackers, Cleo Mack, Leonard Floyd. I don't think we're getting the type of production that we need out of those two players. Mack, he's uh, still on that. Uh, you know, sackless streak here over the handful of games. Uh, teams finding a good way to take him out of the equation. And I know that you and I were exchanging a couple texts about Leonard Floyd as well. So I want to get your opinion on how uh, both of those outside linebackers play today. Leonard Floyd, straight cheeks, man. That was brutal. That was a brutal game for him. He was not assignment sound for the vast majority of that game. Uh, and, and that's hard to see, I especially – you know, I think Chuck Pagano preaches a lot of fundamentals with this team. He teaches them to be aggressive, but there's a difference between being aggressive and just not doing your job. And there are multiple times where Floyd was uh, caught lacking on uh, his contain. There are a lot of times where Driscoll was able to move from the pocket because either Leonard Floyd, you know, tried to go inside on a move or because he tried to go way upfield, which is just as bad as going inside. You're breaking your contain, you know, jobs. So, for me, uh, Floyd Floyd at times has proven to be a really good edge defender. Not not exactly a great pass rusher at times, but man, I think this is one of the worst games I've seen him play from start to finish. A lot of missed assignments, which when I played college football, a missed assignment was a minus five on our efficiency chart. 
And there's going to be a lot of minus fives on Leonard Floyd's uh, report card for this game. You know, he did make a couple of plays because I, he does have a good motor. He's a hustler. But, man, it, it, when you when you have an 11-man uh, defense and everybody's doing its job, it's beautiful. But all it takes is one cog in that machine to break, and you're talking about a big problem. And the Bears are lucky that the Lions weren't able to exploit more mistakes that Floyd had because they were a lot. Yeah, he did. I mean, obviously, when you're reflecting on the game, uh, two plays that stand out. I know early on the contain was an issue as well, but one, uh, whiffing on that sack, that's embarrassing. And then this one also that uh, that option play where he went a, a little bit too hard on that running back, uh, crashed down a little bit too quick, which allowed, of course, that quarterback to pick up some easy yards for Detroit. But, yeah, I mean, those are just two plays that kind of, uh, you know, give a little bit more about what you're saying there, Will. What about you, Nick? Are you as uh, disgruntled as I, I know I am and sounds like Will is too from the outside linebackers? I think I definitely am on Floyd, and obviously you want to see you know the actual production and the sack numbers from Mac, but I think that he's still getting to the quarterback and and creating some extra pressure, which is you know obviously a huge thing from him. I would agree this was this was probably the worst effort we've seen from from Floyd at least in two or three years, definitely this season. Uh, and I think that he does need to kind of keep contained and follow his assignments a little better. But I don't think I'm quite at the at the panic level that you guys are. No, not at least not from that position. What position are you panicking at on defense? Then on on defense, none. I'm none? Still okay. Well, I thought offense, I th- so. we're talking about the defense. So it sounded like he had another. So I just had to kind of get in there and check, but. Uh, going, you talked about, uh, you know, Nick. You talked about the pass rush a little bit. You talked about Nick Williams and that monster sack. Anyone else up front flash for you today? Up front, no, I wouldn't say so. I was also very imp- impressed with uh, Kwiatkowski, but probably not up front for me today. No. I guess we got to talk linebackers then. Nick Wachowski jumps in. Of course, he had the interception. He was being pretty effective on blitzes. I know he missed one sack, but he was able to kind of get another more as a, as a spy guy, not really a true blitz, but he was able to get a sack, a big sack on third down as well. But the blitzes, even though he wasn't coming down with sacks, uh, he was getting pressure, forcing Driscoll out of the pocket, uh, affecting plays of that nature. I know Roquan Smith racked up a ton of tackles today. So, Nick, what's your take on uh, the two inside guys after Danny Trevathan went out? I think they were a, a huge strength of the defense today. Obviously, we, we mentioned a couple things about Kwiatkowski, and I think this might have been the best game that we saw from from Roquan you know, since, since the incident. I mean, clearly, he didn't seem like himself right when he came back, and I don't think he's shown quite the ceiling that he showed last season and some of the, the, the speed that he shows from across the field and obviously racking up the tackles, but he, he did that today. I think he did pretty good job with his assignments. The Lions weren't able to you know, kind of create and rush for a ton of yards with their actual running backs. Obviously, they're missing a lot of talent there, too. But I felt that that was probably the strength of the defense today, in my opinion. Yeah, what about you, Will? I know this is a position you know pretty well. Right. I think the big thing for linebackers today is that they played fast. Uh, When uh, I went on my big uh, Nick Kwiatkowski, uh, I don't know, I get we'll call it roast. We'll just call it roast. Um but my big thing is that he wastes a lot of movement uh, when I was watching him, especially his 2017 film, you know, before the bears brought in Roquan Smith, uh, he was wasting a lot of movement. And that's why I had a big problem. He was late to a lot of plays. And I think he, I think a lot of that kind of like mental slowdown, he's, he was thinking, so he's moving slower. I think he kind of just threw it out the window for a little bit and he just kind of played with a little bit more of a reckless abandon. And I think, I think it really showed he was playing fast and making plays, uh, I think it'll be a problem that teams can kind of scheme around his uh, his deficiencies in the pass game, and I think the Lions even started to do it towards the end of the game. You're finding those pockets in the middle of the field. You're seeing them target the tight ends a lot more, which is which who are typically working around where a linebacker would be covering. Usually, you're matching up linebackers tight ends a lot, but overall, they played fast. And uh, until the end of the game, the Lions were kind of playing within the means of Nick Kwiatkowski to be a really productive player. So good for him. He had a really great game, and if you ask me. He was very close to my MVB. Maybe just a little too much of a personal vendetta to give it to him. Maybe. But uh, overall, really. Maybe. I don't know. I don't got no problem with him. 
Uh-huh. I'm going to have to go pull up the tape. No, I'm kidding. It was years ago. Opinions are allowed to change. I do want to talk about the secondary a little bit today. Again, I know that the Lions passed about 270 yards today, and it's not all on the secondary, but they were going up against some very talented wide receivers as well. Uh, Kyle Fuller early on, he had those two calls on him, the holding call, the unnecessary roughness. Uh, luckily, uh, those didn't matter because the Lions did end up punting on that drive. But, Nick, I wanted to know your thoughts. How Luckily, did you think... he didn't get tossed. You're right, because uh, he was, like, all up in the referee. Oh, I was, I, as an official, I'm like, oh, man, he's going to the stands after that one. You do not put your hands on me in the first quarter. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, oh, man. If it's in the fourth quarter, maybe I'm let because, like, competitive juices are a little bit higher. But, man, in the first quarter, if you, I'm not letting that become the precedent for how that game's going to go. He's lucky he got away with one there. I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL hands him a fine after that because, man, that's like unspoken rules. Do not touch the ref. You know, in the words of Billy Madison, that's assault, brother. You, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't. He did. It didn't matter. Uh, but you never know. Maybe it will matter in terms of uh, his wallet. Uh, we'll kind of keep tabs on that throughout the week. But, Nick, back to you. Uh, going into the secondary, how did you think they fared today? I don't think it was, yeah, certainly the strength of the defense today, but I think there were some issues. I was disappointed to see some of that action from Fuller that we mentioned. I felt like he probably could have had a little better coverage on that touchdown to Galladay and, you know, just some of those third down plays, both him and Prince, even even HaHa, I felt like, you know, missed a couple plays that he could have made, including an interception. And, you know, you got to keep the Lions receivers in mind, they are pretty talented. I think Galladay's a, you know, a future star in this league if he's not already. So he's a tough matchup, and Fuller drew him for most of the game. So I felt like you know, they, they did enough to win, especially given the quarterback that the Lions had today. But, yeah, I mean, if they have Stafford and you know he makes some of those throws that were missed, especially on those third downs and Fuller's playing off like he did today, that certainly might be a loss. So I guess he, he might be probably the weakest link today, which is disappointing to see because he was obviously all pro last year. But overall, a decent effort, especially by the safeties. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, like you said, mixed results is a good way to kind of put this secondary today. Buster Screen, uh, obviously, he had a pretty good play on Amendola at one point, which allowed him force the punt, a good coverage on third down. Other than that, he was a little quiet, which is a good thing for any corner. You want to have a quiet game unless you're getting an interception, but you don't want to be picked on. What about you, Will? Anything you want to kind of chime on in uh, in terms of the Bears' secondary before we move forward? Man, uh, the story of Eddie Jackson's 2019 season is a step behind. He just mm-hmm. he has just seemed to step slow this year. You know, off of his breaks, off of his breeds. Man, just a little, just not quite there. And I think that's kind of just been the mantra almost for this Bears defense. They're they're obviously playing really well. You know, to to maintain the statistical dominance that they have had this season. Uh, despite the fact that they are getting no help from their offense is is really telling, but they're just some plays that they are not making that they made last year. And, and it stands out when you have the offensive struggles that the bears have. Yeah, no, absolutely. It really does. Uh, well, while I have you, any final thoughts on this defense before we kind of move forward? Just kind of a uh, story of the year, you know, just, uh, they stuck to the status quo. They played very good, solid defense, but just didn't really create a lot of big plays. It's really ironic because this is exactly what we kind of like uh, critique Fangio's defense. It's like they don't make enough big plays. They're not aggressive enough. And, and it's completely the opposite here. Like it's, it's been a complete right. switch. We thought Pagano would be the really aggressive one. And really we haven't just seen a lot of those big plays, those big aggressive play calls, a lot of the blitzes that we thought we'd see just – just really not a lot a ton of three-man rushes that we always I remember Andrew Link would almost have an aneurysm every week every time we send a three-man rush in the middle of the game but yeah it just just seems just something just doesn't seem to be clicking for the Bears defense and that's saying something because like I said statistically really great job so far but there's just that one element that has been keeping them from being the elite 2018 Bears defense yeah absolutely Nick how about you any final thoughts on defense as a whole I would say mainly let's just hope that Kwiatkowski can keep playing like that because I'm afraid Trevathan might be out for the season. That's just completely from an eye test, and obviously he's a huge loss. So I I hope that uh, Nick can keep up that production. And, yeah, I can definitely see how they're not quite, you know, at the ceiling that 
that we like. But but when you're not getting much help from the other side, I, I think we got to kind of take what we've seen at least today. So hopefully that can continue to lead and you know at least have a competitive game in LA next week. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So with our Discussion on the defense now over with. Let's go ahead and enter the fourth and final quarter of our show. Let's have a quick hit here on special teams. Outside of Eddie Pinero missing an extra point, which allowed the Lions to be seven away instead of an eight-point lead. Do you guys have anything else you want to mention in terms of special teams today? It seemed like a game where the third phase, for the most part, was a non-factor. Um, Pat O'Donnell uh, probably had his worst game of the year. Uh, I know we called upon him a lot. Uh, and I know no, his well, legs yeah. probably a little bit ti- his legs a little bit tired this year. I have to imagine to some extent. But man, uh, he he had a mixed bag this year. I mean, there are a lot of times that the defense bailed out a really bad punt from him, or really bad punts from him, especially in that first half. Because there was a time I'm pretty sure that his punts got worse and worse and worse and worse for like his first four. It's like his first one was all right, then his second one was like okay, below average, and then they just started getting bad. Um, so hopefully he can have a bounce back week because I feel like we might be punting a couple times against the Rams. Just a few? Uh, I'll put the over under at like uh, a lot. <laughs> I'm going to take the over. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> I guess you're a good betting man. Uh, hi. Not, um, never mind. Uh, but anyway, uh, Nick, how about you? Anything <laughs> on special teams you want to mention? I thought that McManus had a really good game uh, in in coverage. I I saw some nice plays by him, or at least, you know, getting down there, making some contact, if not finishing the tackle on a couple of those punt returns. I saw that from from O'Donnell. He was definitely probably getting fatigued at some point. Uh, And other than that, yeah, you got to hope that Eddie can, you know, make those consistently, especially in some games, which will hopefully be competitive, but much closer than this. Otherwise, I think it's generally a good thing when, when special teams is a non-factor, you know, not a huge issue one way or the other, and I, I think that's mainly my only concern. Yeah, it's like, I mean, that's the thing about special teams. Either it can be a huge play for you or a huge play against you. Luckily, uh, like you said, it was pretty even keel, and luckily the Bears were able to you know, mitigate the damage from some of those poor punts from O'Donnell that Will already mentioned. But it's time to kind of wrap up our thoughts in this game and look forward to next week with our two-minute warning. So, Nick, right back to you. What's going to be your two-minute warning from this game? I believe that uh, I liked a lot of a lot of what I saw, especially on the defense. I think that hopefully we can build off of some of the successful play calling that we saw from Nagy. Trubisky finally showed some of that confidence and excitement, even making some plays on the run, which was nice. Uh, Montgomery was awesome when he had a little room. I mean, he never stops pushing, so that's great to see. Keep featuring Robinson. I'd like to see Miller get the ball, especially on more of those crossing routes, and you know, hope for good health on the defense. That's that's probably the biggest thing, in my opinion. That'll at least keep the Bears in most games, if not win it. True. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Will? How are you going to wrap up this episode? Uh, for me, this was playoffs week one. We're on to playoffs week two next week. You know, you're in a situation where you have maybe a one loss cushion if you're trying to compete for the playoffs, which I'm sure that every every fan in this uh, in this uh, uh, watching this right now is hoping that the Bears can somehow go on a run. But uh, you know, this you got to have a playoff mentality from here on out. You know, you were talking about Club Dub. You know, this is just the start. You know, there's no reason to celebrate because this is just the beginning of the job. Uh, and you, it's only going to get harder from here because the Rams are no joke. So, you know, happy that you accomplish it. But uh, as my coach has always said, enjoy it. Take this, take this day, take this one. Uh, tomorrow we come back and it's time to go back to work. So here's hoping the Bears can kind of take that battle cry and, and try to start something here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're enjoying it. Club Dub was thumping, as Patrick Finley said about an hour ago. So uh, hopefully they enjoy it, but not too much because, again, you beat Detroit, which is not a good team, not a good defense, and there's still a lot of room here for this team to go. And, I mean, that's pretty much what I wanted to kind of bring for my two-minute warning. It's like, great, yes, the Bears won 20-13. to 13. Uh, I saw Tristan, our moderator in the chat, said that Matt Nagy is now 7-2 against divisional opponents. If I remember correctly, both losses are the Green Bay Packers. So we have the Vikings number. We have the Lions number. Uh, Still got to work on uh, that team up in Green Bay, but we split them so far. Well, 
close. There's only been three games, so we'll go from there. But anyway, uh, in terms of what I'm looking at, I mean, I'm excited about some of the progress I saw on offense. Uh, but like I said on our preview show this week, you have to take it uh, with multiple grains of salt as the defense that you're going up against was one of the worst in the league. And on defense, uh, you, did, you did a decent job, but you still were going up against a backup quarterback, and there were still uh, more plays to be made again on this defense than maybe there should have been with that talent level. But they did have... You know, some talent surrounding the quarterback as well. So for me, Will, I'm in the same boat as you. Uh, one week at a time. That's the only way we can kind of go about this thing right now. Don't get too high in this win uh, because you have a really big test coming up next week with the Rams. And, you know, if you can sit back, focus, and take care of business for a second straight week, uh, just find a way to win that game. Don't need to go too far ahead, but just one week at a time, find a way to beat the opponent that's ahead of you. And, I mean, that's the mindset that we all need to keep. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Chicago Audible. I want to thank everyone for tuning in the show, whether you're here on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, or if you're amongst the thousands of global listeners of the podcast. We really do appreciate each and every one of you. We'll be back in just a couple days as we begin preparations for the L.A. Rams. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. 